Introducing our special speaker is Rabbi Carla Fenves. Shabbat Shalom. Cantor Addy has many skills, audiovisual being one. Um, Shabbat Shalom, everyone. I, uh, I had the opportunity this past fall to participate in a Bay Area Christian Jewish leadership trip to Israel in partnership with our local Jewish Community Relations Council and the Shalom Hartman Institute in Jerusalem. I was really blown away by both the breadth and depth of Hartman's work that they're doing in Israel and the diaspora. Both Rabbi Mintz and Rabbi Jaffe have studied there as rabbinic fellows, and all of our clergy have had the opportunity to learn with their incredible faculty over the last decade. But this was really my first true deeper introduction into their work. So when Rabbi Joshua Layden, who's the West Coast Director of Education for Hartman, asked us if we would be interested in having one of their speakers come, we jumped at the opportunity, and all the more so because I had heard from so many people that he was a particularly unique, warm voice. And so I am so really honored to be able to introduce Imam Abdullah Antepli this evening. He serves as the Chief Representative for Muslim Affairs and an adjunct faculty member of Islamic Studies at Duke University. And he is also a senior fellow of Jewish Muslim relations at the Shalom Hartman Institute and the co-director of the Muslim Jewish Leadership Initiative, which invites North American Muslims to explore how Jews understand Judaism, Israel, and Jewish peoplehood. We are honored to share our bima, our pulpit, with Imam Antepli this evening and to learn with him. Welcome. Shabbat Shalom. And Assalamu Alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. Peace and blessings be upon you all. It is my pleasure, it is a distinct pleasure to daven with you, welcome the Shabbat angels and bride into our midst. As a Muslim, as an Imam, if there is one thing that I am jealous and envy of Judaism is Shabbat. I have this intense, intense holy envy holy jealousy. I, I wish we have a similar concept. We do things in some way for the same purpose. But I think Judaism has crystallized an incredibly, incredibly beautiful concept which world needs. It's amazing. The world's largest, most influential, most effective religion, capitalism. And consumerism is telling you, work harder, buy more drive longer, consume a lot. And here is a religion for the last 5,000 years saying once a week, don't do that. Once a week, stop all these external journeys and start internal journey. It's an incredible concept, which I hope sometimes the way I do it, I come across as holier than the thou. And uh, I, I look like as if I appreciate Shabbat more than many Jews uh, in my life. But I am really hanging on to the spirit of Shabbat. And I'm praying that its spirit, its presence, its Shekinah, its, uh, its serenity will envelop us. And may this be a wonderful Shabbat for all of you. And may Purim tomorrow will be also a very pleasant one. 
May Purim remain just a historical reality and all the internal and external Hamans, all the figurative and literal Hamans may be just in the stories but not in reality. I also have to say, this is an incredible place. I didn't realize I would walk into a synagogue and be homesick. I grew up in Istanbul, I'm a Turkish origin, I grew up in Turkey, coming to a building, a house of God in this magnificent place where brought to my childhood. I don't know if you've never been to Istanbul, may God forgive you for that sin. <laughs> Next Yom Kippur hit harder and make sure you will go and visit the incredible magical place and you will visit the Hagia Sophia, the Saint Sophia, which was a church, then a mosque, now it's a museum, but it inspired a beautiful house of God in, in the Bay Area, in San Francisco, it's incredible. As you know, you've been reading the Torah portion from Exodus, and I think you will read, continue to read for another couple of weeks as well. And I would like to reflect on my favorite piece, verse of Exodus, with you in these 14 and a half minutes that I have. In, in Exodus, God says to Moses, tell the children of Israel to collect me gifts. Tell the children of Israel to bring me presents. It's a very Jewish, but also incredibly Muslim concept. The whole story of Exodus is very clearly mentioned in the Holy Quran and in the sayings of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him as well. And around the same time, actually, we, Moses is one of the, the second most mentioned name in, in, in the Quran. So his story of taking his people out of the bondage of slavery and bringing them to the promised land is a very Quranic and Islamic story as well. And this concept of bringing gifts to God also very similarly understood, studied, what would make God happy? How would you bring to creator and heavens on the earth? How would you bring the king of all kings any present which will make God smile? which will make Allah, which will make Hashem smile. There are many examples, many midrash, and many interpretations about this. But I want to focus on one gift that many of you included. 20th century Christians and Jews, they have given God an incredible present. 20th century Jews, by reconciling Judaism and Christianity, by reconciling Jewish-Christian relationship, by defeating millenniums long Christian anti-Semitism, anti-Semitism didn't go anywhere. It's especially in these last couple of months, it is still showing its ugly faces again. But compared to where we were in 1920s, to where we are now, as we Muslims say, Baruch Hashem. <laughs> we came a long way by creating, by creating opportunities by reconciling every Sunday message of hate in, the, in certain church teachings, by pushing that message of religious hate into the margins, into the peripheries. The 20th century Jews and Christians have delivered an incredible gift to God. I cannot imagine any better, any better present which will make Hashem Allah smile, that a millennium long hate millennium-long grudges, millennium-long bad blood, for the most part has been cleared out. It's really incredible. It is unbelievable. I, the closest synagogue to Duke University is a conservative synagogue, Bethel. They are f finally, it's a 120-year-old synagogue, renovating it. 
And uh, now they are worshiping around the corner in a Presbyterian church called Trinity Holy Church. So if you would have gone to those Jews of Europe or United States in 1920s and 30s, that your grandchildren one day will be dominating in a church called Trinity, they wouldn't have believed in you. It's amazing how long we came along, how long we were able to put those Hamans, those evil forces in, sh in shackles, in chains. It's amazing in the last presidential election, there were few Jews running for offices. You may like them, you may not like their policies, but it's incredible that their Jewish identity was never even an issue. Their real Jewish identity never even came up as a conversation point. Obama's fake Muslim identity, however, <laughs> the guy was not Muslim. He keep eating bacon, drinking wine, going to church. I don't know how many times you need to be baptized. By the end of his term, about 29% of Americans still believe that he was a Muslim. And that was something wrong. And if you break that 29% into certain political parties, certain churches, and certain um, certain uh, geography, certain states, that number goes up to 30%, 40%, 60%. It's incredible. We came a long way. Many of you included, looking at the average age, you have delivered an incredible gift to God. But that voice from Sinai is again, I think, speaking to those whose morals and conscience, whose heart is still functioning. And in the 21st century, there is a similar demand for Jews and Muslims to deliver a simple, similar gift. I think as it has been in the 20th century, now it is on to the 21st century Jews and Muslims to deliver a similar kind of gift. As our lives are intertwined, as our, our well-being is depending on our ability to reconcile Judaism and Islam and Jewish-Muslim relations in the 21st century. If you don't hear that voice from Sinai, and if you don't feel that as a moral obligation, maybe you are not paying enough attention. And maybe you are not paying attention because Jewish-Muslim relations is incredibly tough and difficult. Are you depressed by Jewish-Muslim relations? Look at what was it like with the Jewish-Christian relations. Jewish-Christian relations were far more difficult, I would argue. I would, I would claim they had to move the mountains it was a different dynamic. The power dynamics were different, etc. But I believe, it, the, don't get me wrong, as I will explain a few, um, in a few minutes, what divides us today, what gives rise to Muslim anti-Semitism, and what gives rise to anti-Muslim bigotry in certain corners of the Jewish community, in different parts of the Jewish world, are serious issues. We should absolutely not trivialize them. We should not simplify them. What divides us and what keep getting worse over the, over the last couple of decades is serious issues. But looking at our history and believing in the high power, we believe in those powers that we believe that they split the sea, they move the mountains. God intervenes the history in miraculous ways that we should never give in to the despair. It's incredible in Islam, this, the despair and disbelief is almost equated to one another. I think it's Rabbi Nachman who says, there is no greater sin than disbelief and despair and hopelessness. So we have issues. 
It is true that Jewish-Muslim relations, for the most part, the saying Jewish-Muslim relations is a joke. In many parts of the world, you, you wouldn't even, what, what relations? I will never forget, Jews and Muslims, first we have to start with a level of honesty, that we are not doing well. Jews and Muslims in the Middle East, in Israel, Palestine, they are not locking arms and singing They're not. Jews and Muslims in France and England, they are not singing They're not. But here in North America, here in the United States, the boats have not sailed yet. So if I have convinced you that there is a voice from Sinai, from Mecca calling, inviting Jews and Muslims of 21st century to deliver a similar gift, and this bloodshed, and this hate, and this hatred, and this rapid deterioration of Jewish-Muslim relations, only place where we can see how that would look like. What would a 21st century Jewish-Muslim relations would look like? What would a reconciled, modern, somewhat in awe-inspiring Jewish-Muslim relations would look like, North American Jews and Muslims, we have a greater moral obligation because it's only possible here. There are not many Imams behind the Bima in Israel, Palestine today. And there are not many in France, there are not many in Europe, there are not many in England, in Germany, in France. It is possible here, and therefore, we have a much greater and larger and much more significant moral commitment to this calling that we have to respond. We are not doing well, unfortunately. Islam, uh, the Muslim anti-Semitism is rising in many different parts of the world, including the United States. I personally am a victim of that hate messaging. I grew up in Turkey, and my very secular family and secular education, not religious, Islam saved my life. I, the secular education that they have, I have received, it was incredibly embedded in the anti-Semitic world. The first book I read about Jews and Judaism at the age of 12 was the children version of Protocols of the Elders of Zion. The second book was Henry Ford's International Jew. Do you remember him? This American guy uh, who was industrialist, who was this incredibly rich person and uh, somehow feeding into anti-Semitism. There are troubling, troubling uh, resurgence of those elements, unfortunately, in today's United States as well. And I read before the age of 15, Mein Kampf. So before 15, I was all set. I was, I was basically fed the kind of hate and literature that made me feel for many years, for a number of years, that Judaism and Jews are irredeemably evil realities and they are behind every possible problem that Muslims must be going through. It was going to madrasa to become an imam. It was studying Islam that God of mercy and compassion didn't allow me to stay with that level of hate. I was able to take the poison out of my system and take the nearest exit and the drive in the opposite direction as much as I can. And, and I don't want to reinsert the existing stereotypes. Not every Muslim grows up anti-Semitic, but I don't think it's very uncommon. It's very, very common. As the Israeli-Palestinian conf conflict going and, uh, and getting worse, as the political situation in the Middle East is deteriorating, regretfully, regretfully, that Muslim anti-Semitism is gaining increasingly religious currency. 
It was an anti-Semitism of 1960s and 70s, very secular and political. But increasingly, it's gaining religious currency, which will only destroy Islam first. Because Islam says, hate first destroys and erodes the one who bears that hate. It will destroy my religion, my ethics, and my morals. That's why I do everything I can to take my own recovery as an example and try to scale it back with the programs like Shalom Hartman Institute and others to make sure my community will be a little bit more, their immune system will be a little bit stronger in vis-a-vis -vis the Islamophobia, the Muslim anti-Semitism. Not in the same scale, but I see many of my Jewish brothers and sisters as bloodshed, savagery, barbarism, terrorism in the name of Islam is affecting many parts of the world, including the, your Jewish brothers and sisters in Israel. I see many of my Jewish brothers and sisters are also increasingly becoming vulnerable towards anti-Muslim bigotry, Islamophobia, and the Muslim prejudice and negative views about Islam and Muslims. So what are we going to do? Things are deteriorating, and we are, we are much worse off now than what we were in about 20, 30 years ago. I think if we keep doing the same thing over and over, in the words of Albert Einstein, I think he's the, one of the most wisest rabbis I know of the 20th century. We have to come to a realization that whatever we are doing is not working. Whatever we have been doing is contributing to this fact. If we keep doing the same thing over and over and expect that Jewish-Muslim relations will somehow will, on its own, improve, Muslim anti-Semitism will be defeated, and the hate and prejudice and bias within the Jewish community, it's not the same scale. Baruch Hashem, thankfully, it's not the same scale, is going to be, going, going to be gone. We will be just keep seeing the deterioration in front of us. I will end with my favorite psalm. I started with the Exodus. God says to David, Shiru Adonai Shir Hadash. Sing me some new songs. It's a beautiful, it's the same exactly exa uh, in the Psalms are Zabur. It's a holy scripture for us as well. Same commandment to David. My own Midrash about this commandment to David. Part of what God is saying by asking David and his community to sing a new song, that means some of the old songs that we have been singing is not working anymore. Some of the old songs that we have been telling you about each other, some of the old songs that Muslims have been telling themselves about Judaism, Zionism, Israel, is toxic, poisonous, increasing hate, prejudice. And increasingly, some of the old songs that maybe the Jewish community is telling about themselves, about Islam and Muslims, is unfortunately uh, not Jewish and ethically morally questionable, to say the least. So we have to find out a way how we can sing some new songs together in a place in North America where it's possible, in, a, in an area, in a geography where being an American and Canadian gives us an opportunity, despite these mountainous problems that facing polarizing and dividing Jewish-Muslim communities. Still, being an Amer America gives us an opportunity to come up with an overarching moral argument, civic space where we can actually engage and talk with one another. Those boats have not sailed yet. But if you don't take the opportunity, unfortunately, I watch how the Jewish-Muslim relations have deteriorated in France in the last 40 years. And now, anti-Semitism is at its worst and mostly coming from the Muslim community. 
And I think our biggest problem is not evil organizations, terrorist organizations like Hamas, Hezbollah, ISIS. They are problem, they are evil and cancer needs to be treated. But our biggest problem, and I will end with this, is unfortunately overwhelming uh, of our community, especially in North America, there is a cancerous size, epidemic of apathy, lack of action. People do talk to talk, but very few of us are able to walk the walk. Very few of us alarmed enough. Very few of us seeing this rapid deterioration between our communities and willing to sacrifice and invest their time and energy and push this into the higher ranks of their priorities as a community and as an individual as well. As we say in the Muslim community, whatever the problem is, how big ever the problems are, if there is a will, there is a halakhic way. And we have to create that will here in the United States and respond to that moral obligation and model and exemplify what would a reconciled Jewish-Muslim relations would look like from here, from Temple Emmanuel, from the Jewish-Muslim communities in the Bay Area, inshallah. I end with my favorite, again, Jewish hymn and prayer. Oze shalom bim rumav hu yaza shalom aleinu veya kol Israel veya kol Ishmael vimru. May the one who established the peace in the high heavens establish the peace within the children of Israel, within the children of Ishmael, but especially between us. But more importantly, may Allah make every single member of this temple Emmanuel agents and deliverers of that reconciliation and peace, inshallah. Thank you very much and God bless you. Imam, thank you for coming and sharing and, and challenging us. And I think we hear that challenge. And we'll seek new ways for us as a community through our JCRC and through uh, the Interfaith Council to find new ways. With your help, maybe, we can deepen our connections. We've done that work before, and it sounds like we need to do it some more. So, Yashikoch, thank you.